Welcome to Scanner School. This is session number 135 of the podcast. Today, we're talking about no fancy tools required, how to analyze trunk systems with just off-the-shelf equipment. Now, again, the show notes from today's session can be found online at our website at scannerschool.com slash session 135. Before we start this week's podcast, I want to take a second to thank our Patreon supporters. Now, Patreon is a month-to-month sponsorship platform, and we have three different support tiers with different benefits for your support. At a dollar a month, this donation lets us know that you are out there and supporting the podcast. At $3 a month, you'll receive the podcast before the general public. You will also have access to an advertisement-free podcast with no middle break. This podcast we deliver to you each week via a private feed that you can add to your podcast player. For those listening via the web, you will receive an email with a link to the podcast as soon as it releases. The $5 level is the best benefit for your support. Not only do you receive the benefits of the $3 tier, but you also get a set of squelchy stickers mailed to your home, access to a monthly Patreon-only Zoom meeting, as well as future discounts and benefits for upcoming Scanner School courses and offerings. At $5 a month, this equates to about a dollar a week or a dollar per podcast episode. If you'd like to help support the podcast, you can go to scannerschool.com slash Patreon or scannerschool.com slash support. Now, I'd like to thank all of our Patreon supporters who are Craig Harper, Dan, Ed Walsh, Glenn Blum, Glenn Bryden, Guy Lee, James Felling, Jeff Block, Jenny Taylor, John Goldenberg, Ken Newberry, Kenneth Fowler, Mark Thompson, Mark Beebe, Paul Teal, Raymond Hill, Richard Armstrong, Ronnie Bach, Sal Marandola, Scott Vorder, Signals Everywhere, Tim Mazza, Todd Glendie, and William Arcand. Let's get this podcast started. Welcome to The Scanner School, a podcast dedicated to the scanner radio hobby. Class is about to begin. Here is your host, Phil Lichtenberger. Welcome to Scanner School. My name is Phil Lichtenberger, and my amateur radio call sign is W2LIE. If this is your first week joining us for class, or if you're a weekly listener, welcome to this week's podcast. The Scanner School podcast releases every Tuesday to teach you everything to know about the scanner radio hobby. Now, please remember to make sure you're subscribed to the podcast by hitting the subscribe button on your podcast player of choice, or by signing up for our newsletter on the front page of our website at www.scannerschool.com. And again, if you sign up for the weekly newsletter, you'll receive scanner radio tips and podcast reminders delivered right to your inbox. And again, if you enjoy this podcast, please be sure to share the podcast with your friends, those in your scanner radio circle, and also your favorite online forums, websites, and groups. So today we are joined by Jackson. Now I met Jackson in our weekly Zello net, and he's been very active each week and shares a lot of information and gives a ton of support and lends a lot of advice to those who join us in our weekly Zello net. Now Jackson is also very friendly with Nathan, who is our guest on sessions number 73, which again was scanning on a budget, and also on session 95 which was overcoming simulcast. Now, Jackson is here this week to talk about how he's mapping out the trunk systems that are in his area. And what really took me by surprise and why I asked Jackson to come on the podcast is because he's using off-the-shelf equipment to do this work for him. He's not using anything elaborate or dedicated, such as software such as SDR Trunk 
or Unitrunker or DSD Plus. He's using regular radio hardware to do the work. He's using his scanners and even a Unication pager to figure out what talk groups are out there, maybe what radio IDs might be assigned to what talk groups. And he's even using what's very shocking here, good old pen and paper. So before I spoil anything else, let's bring Jackson onto the podcast. Jackson, thank you so much for taking the time to join us this week on Scanner School. And um, for anybody who wants to kind of figure out how it was that you came to be a guest on the podcast, we were actually talking last night on our Zello chat or ZelloNet. And you can find out more information by going to scannerschool.com slash Zello. And we were talking about an issue you were having with another type of radio, but it kind of led to a conversation about this this new trunk system that you were kind of discovering or or mapping out. So I want to thank you for at least, first of all, bringing that conversation into our ZelloNet, and secondly, coming in today to talk about how it is that you are mapping out a system, because I know how I do it, but it's always interesting to hear how other people do uh, do this this kind of, of mapping out and discovery. So thank you so much for uh, for being here today. Thanks so much for having me, Phil. Yeah, it's been about a year and a half long ordeal mapping out the system. Uh, it's mm-hmm. recently online via radio reference and my own website. But uh, the planning period was years in the making. I mean, monitoring it and finding out uh, what kind of system, how they want to put out the zones and whatnot, uh, really to take some time. Okay, so let's let's back up. Uh, before we get into how you're discovering it and and what what tools you're using and everything else, but let's um, what got you into the the hobby of scanning? Right. So a year and a half ago, about 2018, I moved up here. I'm from Tennessee, and I always thought um, how cool it is to be able to monitor radio traffic. I got in on CB radio and going to a channel monitoring 11 meter skip, and then I thought, hey, let me get my ham license and let me start monitoring the waves. And that. Then let you into right into scanning then, huh? Mm-hmm. About so, yeah. Mostly okay. trunked before uh, conventional operations and monitoring. Gotcha. So, yeah, with, with me included, I mean, scanning was kind of the gateway into uh, to everything else. But uh, a lot of people find their way either through ham radio or, you know, some other kind of radio into scanning. So that's cool. So what are you uh, primarily listening to now and, and what, uh, what hardware do you use? Now, excluding what we're going to talk about in a second here, just just in general, what is it that you uh, your day to day setup? Day to day setup is a Dell laptop with 12 gigs of RAM and a Core i7. It runs SDR Sharp with DSD built in and two SDR dongles. Included with that is a EF Johnson 5100 VHF B25 radio, a Radio Oddity dual band VHF UHF DMR radio, and a Unication G4 pager. Okay, so you got a little bit of power over there, so a little bit of an advanced setup. So uh, primarily, though, are you listening then, spending most of your time listening to this trunk system you're mapping out, or do you have a, a favorite agency or a type of service that you primarily listen to? Right, so yeah, uh, I spend most of my day uh, monitoring the system I map out. Uh, every call that comes over the system is logged and recorded, uh, radio ID, talk group ID, all traffic included through my computer. Okay, so let's start off from the beginning here then. So you were saying this was a what, – what's the name of the system, if, if you don't mind uh, letting – if someone wants to follow along or reference and take a look at it. Right, so the name of the system is the Georgetown Scott County CPSCS, or the Countywide Public Safety Communication System. It is a Project 25 Phase 2 system. 
Okay. And which state is that in? It is in here in Kentucky, Scott County. Okay. And you've been mapping this out basically since you heard it was going to be built out then. Right. Most people, you can go into public records, do an open records request, and you can get the format or at least who their bid is going to be with and then start learning from who they've built for or their history and how they map out their previous systems. So I've used a few examples already just to get this one started. Okay. Interesting. So last time I did one, we start, I started the clean slate. I basically discovered you know, through communication channels that uh, – I mean communication channel, I mean my own personal website and, and radio reference and other stuff like that that the local county here was authorized to have these frequencies used for a trunk system. And then, you know, they came in, they had a couple of vendors come in and, and do a over the air shakedown of their system, a demo of it, et cetera, et cetera. So that the county could figure out which operator, which end user they wanted to, to, uh, to go with. So it sounds like to me that, that you've, you kind of knew it was already coming. I guess you already had the frequencies. I guess you, you've, Picked them up off of uh, the FCC website, but uh, that's interesting though how you mapped them out. Just looking at how they mapped out other systems, that's that's interesting how how you did that one. Well, uh, part of the challenge was the system went online with no FCC coordination for I believe a month and a half, two months without anything in the database that was updated. So it was uh, it was a really big system I had to get just off of monitoring the entire band. Oh wow. So once you found the control channel, though, it would kind of sort of map itself out, though, right? Yeah. So uh, through there, ProScan and Pro96Com immediately took over with the uh, the entire system building out on the frequency-wise. Okay. And uh, this is a, a Harris uh, P25 system. We talked about that last night. And uh, you, so you were saying you, you, you looked at other Harris systems and saw how they mapped out. So does that kind of give you an indicator of what – talk group range, say maybe public safety would be in, what talk group range fire would be in, and government agencies, is that what you mean, how you, you did some research to see how other systems were built by the same, uh, by Harris? Yeah, so the WACN is a, an immediate identifier, and we talked about this last night as well. Mm-hmm. The 9 is an immediate yep. alarm. Hey, this was a Harris-built system. Counties below me and to the west of me, they are Tate, Harris, and Motorola. So I looked at how they were structured, mostly the ones to the south of me, because they uh, they noted in their request and their uh, the RPF, the request for proposal, that they wanted something that would be similar in communication structure-wise to our partnering agencies. And that really did give an alarm of, hey, they're going to be in this range with this mode, with uh, this kind of structure. And then that kind of just clicked in my head. Oh, so you really had uh, you had a lot of good information sitting there <laughs> to to even get started with. That's excellent because uh, I know this system by looking at it last night. There was there's some encryption on it as well. So you've primarily been the one submitting this in the radio reference. So how did you understand that those were the users of that encrypted talk group? Did it when it was being staged were they unencrypted and you mapped it out at that point, or did you map it out with radio IDs, or how did you find out what the encrypted groups were? Right. So that's that's the big thing. We talked about this last night. Encryption is an immediate turnoff for people who love to monitor. They think it's all over and it can't be done. So when this went online, the primary system before this was an EDAX system, and those radio IDs did not match up. But I had a listing of all the agencies I had mapped out before the system and their identifiers. So if you look at the system, you'll see EMA. Their identifier is 5XX. 
when their radio ID comes up, it's 2411-5 and then their number that follows. So radio ID was a big part of this. Also monitoring the traffic activity. You can't hear it, but you can see how popular it is. Most popular channel that I've noted so far is the sheriff's office. And I also saw with the sheriff's office, the channel, the sheriff operation channel 2, 3, and 4, or sorry, secondary 2 and 3, were multiply popping up, which is a common thing seen when they want to do off the air or a service check, such as NCIC and unit to unit. Right. So you use the same kind of tricks that I always use as well. So, I mean, we had we, we were a bit luckier here. What they did with our encrypted talk groups is they had the old conventional UHF repeaters still online. And it was a uh, basically they were on the trunk system on the encrypted talk groups, but it was still patched over to the unencrypted UHF repeater. So I'd be able to listen on my scanner on any analog scanner and listen to the precinct. And I'd be able to watch a trunking decoder and see what talk group would light up. And, of course, it doesn't take long for you to find out, you know, the five PD channels. And then you'd see the radio IDs, and you'd start mapping out radio IDs, and you'd start finding out who the supervisors were and where the uh, EAB units were and what their radio IDs were. And eventually, again, you start mapping out the system. You find out who the detectives are because when BSO gets involved, right, they have a certain set of numbers. And just like you, it was, for example, 2505, and then the RMP number, and then zero was if it was a portable, and then one was if it was the mobile-mounted radio. And then for EMS, two would be it was the radio in the back of the bus. So mapping things out using radio IDs, even though you, like you, you don't know the exact talk group ID, you can still kind of figure it out based on, on traffic. So this is what I'm saying we were talking about last night, too, is, is this is the fun part of the hobby. And, and exactly what you're saying It's just because there's an encryption in there doesn't mean there's nothing really to do here or to listen to, at least with your ears, right? You're listening with your eyes and you're, you're still putting the pieces together and discovering what it is. And uh, you're always still going to figure out that there's something new there or there's another patch that went in there where you're going to find some more radio IDs that show up. And uh, mapping out systems like this are, are really interesting. And the other thing we talked about last night too was you've discovered this also now has two zones, which is now what you're in the process of trying to map out, Correct. Correct. So if you go to the Madison County, Kentucky system, built by the exact same corporation, it's a north and south zone. The only difference with this system that I'm building out here in Scott County is all zones, both zones, carry all traffic. In Madison County, if you go to the south zone, it carries primarily sheriff's office and the smaller city down there. If you go to the north zone, it carries all county traffic, including city, fire, and law enforcement. So a little bit different here, but uh, same concept, correct? Gotcha. So yeah, it's 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 it is fun to kind of map these things out. So what what are your tools here? How are you mapping this out and, and logging what's going on on the software? So originally I had a a BCD three twenty five P two, and that was that was good, until it wasn't. What happened was we only had five sites on at once, and then in March they put the sixth site up. Primarily, the issue was the Uniden was sitting here logging all unit IDs twenty four seven all the time not having any issue that six site came online and it demolished the signal receptions the reception so so you're talking uh, about the site you mean you had a, an issue with simulcast at that point yes that was the that was immediately uh, when i had to get the unication okay so with the unit in i ran proscan which uh, logged all the target ids all the unit ids the modes and whatnot 
And then I put in Pro96.com along with that. So I had to switch it up a little bit, had to go back and forth on what I thought I could use and what I couldn't. The, uh, the immediate issue I was seeing was there were no active sister sites to the main tower I was monitoring, which is only two miles from me, or less than actually two miles. And that's immediately what got in my head of maybe a south zone, kind of like Madison County. With Pro96.com coming on, I could actually get uh, the RFSS and the site IDs and then create files and then use that at a later date to reference what I'm seeing that's new and old. Right. So, again, the Pro96.com, that, that would interface with the 325P2? Correct. Okay. I thought for some reason the 96 Pro96.com only interfaced with uh, Rear Shack stuff. I guess uh, it's been a while since I've used that one, to be honest with you. And then eventually when you had simulcasting, then what? how did you have to modify things at that point? So at that point, the system was pretty well mapped out on my end. I had stuff that I was withholding from putting in the database, and I wanted to verify it. So... When I got the unication here, I put in those talk groups, listened for that traffic, recorded it, played it back, and realized, this is confirmed. This is what this actually is. Glad I have it now. Let's put it in. So most of this stuff went in about late March, early April. And then when I got the unication, it really did enhance monitoring simulcast and getting some of the stuff that you don't see in the database that I still have that I'm verifying. So that'd be... Multi-agency channels, event channels, interagency channels, et cetera, et cetera. So are you using right now, because uh, you said you had a nice uh, computer with uh, the 12 gigabyte, 12 gig of RAM and, and SDR Sharp and all that stuff. Are you using that now to help you map out the system, or are you just primarily still using uh, radio hardware? So I, I am not using the computer to map out. The only reason being I purchased SDRs for monitoring some of the other channels. We have to have backups to main 800 systems. The city used to be on NXDN or Next Edge for anybody who's not familiar with NXDN. It's a digital format kind of like DMR and P25. And they primarily still use it on days that the 800 goes down or they need interop. Fire used to be on NXDN as well. And all the repeaters that are, that used to be used are still online and still operational in the event that 800 does go down. So I use that primarily monitoring for any traffic that comes over the conventional. Gotcha. Okay, so you're doing all this with actual radio hardware, which is interesting. So I remember using my HP1 to kind of map out radio IDs when the system over here was coming on, and I would just sit them out, sit on Medcom and just map out the ambulances, you know, which, which uh, again, was easy because it was just the battalion and then the department ID followed by the actual number off the, off the ambulance. So like uh, unit 6310 would actually be, you know, 6310 and then one or two. So it was really easy to sample out that way. But uh, that's interesting that you're, that you're just using basically your voice recording on a G4 to map that out. And uh, I guess ProScan mapping it out that way is kind of, and Pro96.com, I guess that's kind of gone out now because you have simulcast issues then, correct? Correct. Most of the systems I used before or previously had in, play, in place have been thrown out, and I'm on a Google spreadsheet now. I keep everything on a spreadsheet, logged 24-7. If I wake up in the morning and there's new traffic on the system that I was missing before, it's already recorded and logged, and then at a later date, I'll go through one by one, pull that traffic, and then once I have identified who they are, what they're doing on this channel, and what it's used for, I'll remove from the G4 after I've logged it successfully. So you're you're basically then manually recording or playing back the G4 and then writing it down into a Google spreadsheet. Is that that's what you're doing? 
Correct. That is what I'm doing. That's a lot of work. It is, but it, it, it's worth it. it. It really is worth it. It's it's the hustle. Right, right. So let me let me uh, tell you how I was doing mine, and this may help you out streamline the process. I was using uh, Unitrunker. So again, it may require you to get it. Just at least one more dongle here, one more one more USB stick, and you can just park that on the control channel if you want. And you can still map out. It will map out all of the voice traffic for you. So you don't have to listen to it, but at least you can see what's going on in there. And it will fill in the blanks for you. Like you have extra voice channel or extra uh, talk groups or extra radio IDs. I color-coded all mine so I knew that they were – it was something I already had. And I was able to then export out to a spreadsheet. And again, it dates and, and timestamps everything, every hit that it gets so that you can tell if a talk group is new or a talk group is is, is old. And uh, obviously, any old talk groups would have been labeled with an alias anyway, so I knew that they were old. Anything that was unknown, I, I would be able to tag that as an attribute, say unknown talk group, so I can go in there and keep filtering out by those talk groups. And it does help, too, if you have a voice channel or a voice dongle in there as well, because you can set up Unitrunker to ignore all the talk groups that you know and just archive using trunk recorder or even you can do this with dst plus and just record the talk groups that you don't know so that you can limit having to cycle through the g4 and, and manually do a spreadsheet this will all categorize for you so that that's one way that you could you could do it as well i think trunk recorder will do that and it'll also then share that data with uh, broadcastify's new new platform that they have where they're recording, like they call it the in, ingest, I think it is, the ingest server, where it records everything. And then it logs all the talk groups on Broadcastify's network. And then anything that's questionable too comes up and people can help identify and help uh, log what's going on on the, on the talk groups as, as well. So it sounds like you're, uh, you're doing a good job, but I always like to automate things, you know, make things just a little <laughs> bit easier so that, so that you're not, uh, cause a burnout is, 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 could be real in that too. One day you can say, Oh, this is a lot of work. I don't feel like doing this today. And then one day it turns into two and two turns into four. And all of a sudden, you know, it's been two years and you haven't logged the system. <laughs> so that happens. <laughs> I've been looking into calls platform. I've been seeing it. I've actually, my favorite to listen to is Lackland air force base in Texas. It's a future okay. career I hope to go into. So listening to them, I mean, I think I've identified a few maintenance channels, but I uh, I like to listen when I'm not working here in the shack and monitoring the system. The main issue I've been having is the two SDRs I have, it only pulls data. I have not been able to get voice off of anything, not even like conventional and simplex channels. I've been talking with my buddy, Nathan McMullen. You might have had him mm -hmm. on the show, I think, okay. two times. Yep. He lives down in Madison County, just a few minutes from me. So I've been working with him and seeing if we can get this thing to work and whatnot. But the main thing I've been doing is I've actually been color coding, like you were talking about, these uh, these talk groups and these uh, the radio IDs to make it a more simplified version, at least from my standpoint, to share with him if he comes and listens to. Gotcha. So what did you say you were using again to uh, to try and monitor what was on the system? You said you were doing SDR uh, – I'm sorry, trunk SDR? SDR Sharp and uh, DSD Plus. Okay. SDR Sharp and DSD Plus, because oh, you're, you're just monitoring a conventional. Because you should be able to use, um, are you using Fastlane or not? On, I'm not. On I got to get Fastlane. <laughs> yeah, you got to get Fastlane. Trust me on that. 
it's a world of difference between the free version and fast lane. And there's been so many enhancements to fast lane, even the, to the fact that you can do a one dongle trunking now with fast lane, which basically is the exact same thing your, your, your scanner does is the SDR will sit on the control channel and then it will go to the voice channel to listen to the conversation and then come back to the control channel. So you could effectively do any investigation right? Just, just tell DSD plus to only listen to unknown talk groups. You lock everything else out and you'll be able to still monitor what's going on in the system. Cause you'll have everything mapped out as far as talk groups and radio IDs and everything else like that. But only when something new comes on, will the, will the SDR receiver actually go to that talk group, record it, and then come back to the, to the control channel when that talk group is over, which may be something to help you out as well. But you're not really supposed to use SDR Sharp with DSD Plus anymore, so that might be part of the issue you have there. Yeah, because because when you do it that way, you have to use uh, virtual audio cables to kind of route the route the audio in the right way. And that's the main but, issue. Yeah. Yeah. So what I would suggest doing is there's a included program called FMP, and if you go into Fastlane, it's FMP24, and what you do is you create a TCP tunnel, so you send the audio out basically locally on a TCP port or UDP port. And then you tell DSD plus to listen on that port. So it makes a, basically makes a tunnel between FMP and DSD plus. So any of the raw audio from the, from the SDR that you tell FMP where to go, because FMP is your tuner, DSD plus will then decode the audio. So the other issue is too, if your gain is set too high or your drift is off a little bit, but um, that's that's the one thing to keep in mind. If you do upgrade to fast lane too, don't use FMP because you'll never get it to work. It's got to be FMP twenty four, and, and that'll that'll clean things up. But uh, but yeah, that, that's that's the way to go. I would I would ditch SDR sharp as far as your tuner goes and just stick with FMP and uh, or FMP twenty four, and then DSD plus. And that'll, that'll help you out. And I think the lifetime is on it, like 10 or $20 for it. Well worth it. Well worth it. So that's what, uh, that's what he's been telling me. He's like, you gotta get, gotta get fast lane. Well worth it. Well worth your money. Yeah. The other thing was, cause I was, I was wondering if you were using SDR trunk because that one is a real pain in the neck to set up. Not that it's impossible. It did take me an evening, but you have to make sure you've got that Java, uh, Java runtime environment set up. And I had a problem because I had the newest version of runtime and not the old one. So I had to make sure I downloaded the, the previous version. And once I downloaded the previous version, then I was able to, to do SDR trunk. Once it was up and running, it was a really cool program. But I got turned off on it right away because I had already used Unitrunker to get everything done and also uh, DSD+. Now, again, Unitrunker will help you. I don't think it does phase two right now, but we'll do phase one. But that'll help you at least monitor too if you want to the old EDAC system and Motorola Type uh, Two as far as uh, the uh, Apco 16 systems. But because um, because uh, DSD Plus doesn't do any any of the EDACs and like that. So, uh, but it's fun. It's it's definitely very fun playing around with the tuner app in in DSD Plus because you get a nice little spectrum graph on there as well. And I've had nights where I couldn't sleep and I just fired up DSD Plus just to see what I would bring in. And I discovered that uh, the local, not the local, but the regional postal facility in New York City was using DMR on their P25 frequency. So I was able to map out some talk groups on there and hear what was going on. 
And then I started tuning around, ah, what's, the, what's in the federal section? And then I discovered I could listen to a couple of Air Force and, and military bases on their trunk system. And again, 3 o'clock in the morning, they're out there doing patrols. So I'm listening to them, you know, do their checkpoints and everything else. And uh, I thought that was really cool because it was nothing I ever listened to before. But all of a sudden, you know, this, this system just automatically maps itself out. And I'm reading, you know, okay, here's – Here's the WACN, right? Here's here's the system ID. Here's here's the the site ID. And I jump in real reference. I I put the WACN ID in, or not the WACN, but the uh, system ID into the database search, and it would take me right to the system. I just oh okay, this is this. I'd map it. You know, I I define it in in DSD plus, and and you'd sit there and you'd watch it for a while. And then, okay, now it's, I'll cycle up again on FMP and find the next spike on on the system. So um, you can if you like detecting a lot of systems, I mean. It's you'll you'll lose you'll lose a lot of time just sitting in front of DSD plus with you you know in shock as to how much it's pulling in. So, I mean, I found um, you know even with NXDN systems, plenty of uh, bus companies that weren't mapped out. And again, it, you know, just picking up students in the morning, but uh, you know, hearing that the buses are stalling out or they're having a problem with the buses and those kinds of things. That uh, again, it's it's investigating systems. So if you ever get bored of investigating your P twenty five system. It's so easy to find something new to listen to on DSD Plus, and you can just start from scratch all over again. What's on here, and who's using it, and what am I listening to, and what are the neighboring sites, because it will tell you what the neighboring sites are. And you can start seeing if you're seeing the same talk groups on both those sites. So even what you're gonna, what you'll end up with now, too, is if you get a second dongle or a second uh, SDR, you can throw one on that, one in the north and one in the south, and see if you're seeing the same talk groups, or maybe you're seeing a new talk group on the other zone that you're not seeing on the main one you're listening to. So having something like that is, uh, it, it's, it's, I guess invaluable, I guess is what I'd say. So, uh, it's fun. It's, it's fun. <laughs> That's what, what it is. It's a lot of fun. So absolutely. Yeah. Today, um, you know, we would meet, I, I, I think I actually commented on your post about that and, uh, the DMR and the postal, we have the exact same thing here. I found those and put them out correctly. But I think today I was sitting here at the desk and I was going through the band and 454.475 tier three trunking system. I look through five states of databases, see if it was even coming off the, you know, the skip and whatnot. Nothing. So I think me and Nathan were on the phone for an hour going back and forth about what it could be. If it's just a, a sporadic thing that hasn't been filed with the SEC yet, but it was baffling. Interesting. Yeah, and again, DSD Plus will tell you immediately, you know, what it is. It will say actually, you know, T T three at the bottom, and it will break down everything so you can map it out and start and start playing around with information about it. So, uh, very cool. Yeah, I, I would I would strongly recommend recommend that. So, uh, which again, anybody who's listening right now, they're going to say, "What is that? That's that course." So, as you and I are talking, I am making movement on that SDR training course that I have. So, it should be released more sooner now than later. So. Uh, I'll make sure, uh, Jackson, I, I pass the information along to you when that comes because it will be it will be heavy on uh, how to set up DSD+, Plus, how to set up Unitrunker, how to, how to start logging, stuff like this, and, and really taking advantage of having that horsepower for 30 bucks. So yeah. absolutely, yeah. Get, getting some use out of that one. Did you know there are ways to help support the Scanner School podcast that doesn't take any time or any extra money on your part? If you go to scannerschool.com slash support, you will find we have several ways that you can 
continue to do your online shopping and help support us. We have links to Amazon. If you click on our link before you go to Amazon, anything you buy from there will help support Scanner School. Now, if you're in a market for a brand new scanner, an antenna, other accessories, we have links to Scanner Master, where you can not only purchase a scanner and accessories, but you can also get your radio programmed. And by clicking on our link before you buy, you are helping to support the podcast. Now, if you're in a market for software, we have links to Butel. And if you want something new to you, we also have links to eBay. Again, just go to scannerschool.com support before you make your purchases, and you are helping to support Scanner School at no additional cost to you. This session of Scanner School is sponsored by East Coast Pagers. Now, East Coast Pagers is one of my online companies, and we are a Unication, Apollo, and Swiss phone dealers serving the North American market. Now, if you're looking for a personal use pager or one for your department, we can get you a quote at the very best prices. So why does a company like East Coast Pagers support Scanner School? I think that every Scanner Radio user should at least put one pager in their collection of radios. The reason why is very simple. It frees up your scanner to just do scanning, and then you have one radio that's dedicated to your local fire activity. Now, with a pager, you can have voice storage. You can do tone outs. You can keep it silent. You can go back the next day and listen to what you've missed overnight. It's more than you can do with an out-of-the-box scanner. And with today's pagers having multiple frequencies and even having multiple channels in a scan list, like the Unication G1 can do eight channels in a scan list. It has 64 memory channels, and out of the box, it comes with 11 minutes of stored voice and a desktop charger. The G2s to G5s, they do P25 phase one and phase two in simulcast environments with stored voice, paging on conventional NP25. Oh, and they're upgradable too to DMR type one and type two. They are more rugged than today's consumer-based scanners. And with a pager like a Swiss phone S-Quad, you won't even realize you're wearing one. It'll help keep you informed as to what's going on in your neighborhood. So again, eastcoastpagers.com or contact me directly, phil at eastcoastpagers.com. Do you have a new scanner? You're having problems understanding how it works? Maybe you're new to the entire Home Patrol database of programming and you can't figure out Sentinel. Did you get a new SDR and you're trying to figure out how to install it or you want to learn how to use Unitrunker, DSD+, maybe set up a Pioware or even just make some changes and you don't understand how the system and the equipment works? The podcast might be great for you, but maybe you need a little bit more of one-on-one help with setting something up. I'm available to do just that with you with our private tutoring sessions. You can book me online by going to scannerschool.com slash consulting for a one-hour session. And it's great because we can actually share computer screens remotely, and I can guide you through step-by-step as if I was sitting right next to you. So again, book me for an hour at scannerschool.com slash consulting for your scanner radio one-on-one tutoring session. National Communications Magazine is your personal library of scanner, CB, GMRS, FRS, MURS, and two-way radio articles written by the best minds in the business over the past three decades. Your NatCom personal online access account allows you to download the newest issues of America's Hobby Radio Magazine, as well as back issues too. So visit natcommag.com to download your free sample issues and sign up today. That's natcommag.com for National Communications Magazine. All right. Is there anything we haven't covered yet? I mean, I know I kind of went off on a tangent to uh, <laughs> that we got derailed when when I when I heard that you were logging them by hand, and uh, it kind of it kind of made my scratch my head a little bit. I mean, I understand it's fun and all that, but 
we definitely took a sharp turn from what it is that oh, you yeah. do versus what I was doing here. So let's get back on track here. What else is it that, that you're doing with, with, with the system that, uh, that you're monitoring here? So I, uh, I always say to anybody who has not gone into this yet or they want to get into scanning, know who you are dealing with, know what equipment they're using. In my case, when the, the request for proposal was filed, they put a, a checklist and they put an order form of what they want for what agency and whatnot. So I've already accommodated myself to know if this thing comes up and I see an unknown ID, this could possibly be this agency since I haven't already found them. If you go to the wiki of the system, I put a very, very detailed report of who's on the system, who can be using it in the future, the coverage that it has, the, the real massive thing that you don't see which is actually going on. So for this system, all agencies are using a XG75M, which is a Harris P25 mobile radio. And for handhelds, all agencies are using XL200P multibands. This system has the capability of transmitting on 800 VHF and UHF conventional at any given time through an ISSI gateway. And if I go to, uh, if, if you look on the system, there's a channel called E911 MAC3. That's patched to VTAC 11, which is the air med calling channel here in Kentucky per the field operator guide. When they key their radio on that channel on their digital side, it will come out on analog and air methods or the flight company above will be picking that up and vice versa. Very interesting. So, yeah, you've again, you've done your homework as far as finding out those RF, RFPs. So you have that system mapped out. So what else are you discovering and playing around with the, on that system? Because you're doing a heck of a job mapping this thing out. Thank you. So um, what's been the shocker to me is they have requested broadband operability, meaning anybody who's unfamiliar, you can use a cell phone as a Samsung or an iPhone, use an app called Harris Beyond via your LTE network, and it would patch over to a talk group that's been selected on the actual system. So they want LTE, which I could only assume that it might be for government agencies such as Animal Control, that it hasn't been in the ordering list for radio, or possibly the, the district attorney, if they want to use it via their phone, they have a simpler radio rather than having to carry a handheld or a portable in their vehicle. And even Harris, I'm not sure if, I, I believe they do, they sell vehicular repeaters. So if they have a handheld on them, they can put it in their car and use it as a mobile, or when they want to take it out, just remove it from the vehicle repeater and walk out. That's what I'm learning so far about the system. Sporadic patches will come out. By that I mean, when a multi-agency call requiring law enforcement, EMS, fire, and maybe even emergency management, the dispatcher will call all three or four agencies at once via a patch. So a patch will be created temporarily. All agencies, all the channels will be pulled up on the air. The dispatcher will unencrypt traffic for all agencies and then dispatch them to the according area. When fire has been dispatched recently, they've been asked to go to an incident channel per the control dispatcher. We had a situation recently when I uh, got the communication that I was able to monitor and listen to everything. A missing child happened. They wanted fire to go to incident channel one. EMS switched the zone on their radio, went to fire channel one. EMA and law enforcement also did the exact same thing. So then I realized, oh, everybody has access or everybody has these talk groups programmed in their radios. Everybody has the inaudibility. So that then gave me the alarm that it's possible 
that they can unencrypt the radio traffic and not have to use encryption on these channels, or encryption has been disabled only on these channels for clear operation for the fire department to receive. Uh, initially, fire was going to be encrypted and not monitorable whatsoever. That changed recently, and when the system went live, uh, fire was delayed a little bit, but uh, they now use no encryption, and if encryption is needed, it's used on a very, very, very rare case, only in the, I guess, the event of a real emergency where they have sensitive operations. Interesting. So you're saying these are dynamic, interoperable talk groups or patch groups. So they'll they'll show up, they'll be there, but they may not be used the same, may not be the same talk group ID the next time around they're, they're in use then is what you're saying. Right. So I made a note when a unit pressed an emergency button on accident. It was a fire officer, a fire lieutenant, I believe, in the vehicle. His radio keyed the unit ID of 77167588, nowhere even close to the regular operational, which was 2233, and then the number that follows. Same thing happened on Incident Channel 1. I believe PD came over, and they were using a unit ID of 77165502. Makes no sense. It doesn't correlate with the original of 2313. So it's, it is kind of an odd way itself, but when the dispatcher talks, it's the same idea across. However, she patches everybody in on once. And they can, they can do that at the 911 center. If a unit wants to go over to, uh, let's say they didn't have fire on the radio or they're not able to get over to the zone, they could just switch to John on channel two and that dispatcher can then patch them over accordingly and all traffic would carry over no matter what. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's amazing the flexibility that is there in in trunk systems and and what you can do on the fly like that as well. So it's definitely a much more spectrum conscious way of using the resources that are available. Let's put it that way, because with everything being limited as far as you know how much RF real estate there actually is, it's really cool the way they can break things down with trunking systems and it's it does make things very interesting and very difficult at times to understand how to listen to something and how to how to do it but listening to it the way you're listening to it and again i i I hate to go back and say it again but if you have something like dsd plus you'll get a visual too you'll see what's going on and who's going where what radio ids are being denied which radio ids are affiliating with you can also see that same thing with unit trunker as well so that'll give you a whole nother layer of information that you don't have right now just by using the radio hardware which is which is really cool as well so anything else that you're doing with the system that uh that's interesting i, I yeah i keep peeling back more and more of this onion over here what else are you <laughs> doing so i knew this before when they were on analog that the sheriff's office channel was the also the same channel for a smaller city dispatch channel so the smaller city, it was all dispatched by the same agency here in Georgetown, all by the same 911 center. But that being said, they were dispatched on one talk group. So I started seeing initially radio IDs that made sense to the unit corresponding, which was 2111 and then their unit number as a preamble, 211, and then 2112. However, I then saw 2113 and 2114. And that kind of just threw me off immediately. Hey, what's going on? Why am I seeing this? And then it clicked on my head. Oh, it's the Stamping Ground Police Department that's to the west on the western side of the county. And they're operating on the same channel rather than getting an extra channel. 
Uh, it's more efficient to have the smaller city that the sheriff takes territory over rather than on the regular city channel, considering they're two separate cities and the sheriff and them share the same jurisdiction. The Stamping Ground is a very small city. There's a, another one in the northern part of our county named Sadieville. I believe they have a police department. I look for information. I can never find it. But if so, they're also dispatched on the exact same channel. And from there, I pulled off the portable unit IDs, the car unit IDs, and the base station unit IDs that were all in the purchase order from the uh, the supplier. Interesting. So you have that one basically mapped out then because you know what they've ordered and, and you've got everything all, all figured out over there. Correct. And there was a news article that was written where uh, the 911 center was getting a redo. So they moved over to the Emergency Management Operations Center. Well, I immediately assumed that these radio IDs are not going to be the same once I go back to the 911 center, and I was correct. So 5520 is an initial starting point for all dispatch consoles in the county. 552015 and then through 1 through 4 are the Emergency Operations Center radio room talk groups or uh, radio ID console IDs. And then the 911 center starts with one, zero, and then one through four at the end. So that immediately gave me the idea that, hey, this is obviously different. I'm not seeing double here, and it's not confusing me. I now know that they have the capability of talking and running a control point at both ends to intercept 911 calls if needed. Right, and now you know, too, they have a back when they're on backup or not. Or, or something like that. They're on remote or whatever. So that's really cool that you're, uh, you're mapping a whole thing out like that. Well, uh, we have the radio shop is taken care of by the city. The radio shop is very interesting to me because they have a questionable radio ID, 9980, and then their following ID, which is 0 through 999. So recently I, t- I caught them on what I deemed as a public safety mutual aid channel doing quadrant testing to further the range of the entire system. And it was interesting hearing them at one part of the county in here in Scott at the very bottom on the 6475 corridor and then hearing excuse me one in the neighboring county of Harrison. He's at I believe in Cynthiana, Kentucky, 20 plus miles away and he's coming in clear as day, no issues and they're going to all these other counties. So that then gave me the impression of, hey, the range is greater than I actually thought, and now I know that if needed, these other agencies, if needed operability, they could go to a VTAC channel, key the radio, and it would then come over our digital system, which I confirmed at an earlier date with uh, more of the 911 or E911 MAC channels I've deemed them as operating. Now – I've never actually heard them deem it as a Mac channel. However, based off my experience uh, monitoring systems in Tennessee, like the Tennessee Based Communications Network or Madison County, these channels are permanent patches to our statewide network in 800 and 700, 800 VHF and UHF exclusively. And then I had a few more patch channels that they wanted installed at University of Kentucky and the Lexington Core 25 system. So that then also told me that, hey, if there's ever a pursuit or there's backup needed or whatever the case is, now they can accordingly use both digital systems on a ISSI gateway and have no issues and both ends would come over clear considering they can't use encryption since they have different keys. Right. Okay, different keys, right, different encryption. I mean, just listening to all the stuff you've been doing here, how many – how long – have you been sitting here and mapping all this stuff out for? I mean, it's it's more than a week. I mean, you you 
it's months, <laughs> I mean, a year. I mean, how long have you been, how long have you been have mapping this thing out for? So when I moved up here in 2018, I talked to a fee provider and they essentially told me, hey, don't, a little bit comfortable, we're going to be going to digital encryption soon. And I go, oh, okay, let me get ready for this. I still then, I then I bought my first actual Uniden, uh, it was a BCT15X, analog only. And from then on, I listened to the EDAC system and found a few talk groups that were never even mapped on there whatsoever and put them in the database accordingly as well. With that being said, I listened to the unit IDs talk and whatnot. So when digital came, I'd immediately know. Now, like I mentioned to you earlier, the system was put on on January 28th, 2020 at 10 p.m. sharp. From what I understood and what I just learned recently was radios for the system were actually installed in vehicles that were just being issued months before. August of 2019, radios were still being installed. Officers, I believe that same day, received new portables or they had them in the side of their vehicle or they were waiting to put, use them at some point. So when the dispatcher gave an all call to all units to hey, we're turning off this analog system, go to the new digital one. They just had to remove the radios from their belt, switch out with a new one, and then do a roll call, which then ensued after. So the staging process of this was a year from what I understood and what I've looked at. When it happened, I was not ready whatsoever. I had no idea. I got a text on my phone and said, hey, the system just went down. What's going on? I go, okay, give me a minute. Let me find what's going on. I went through some of their older files on their FCC listing, monitored that immediately and found the control channel. Gotcha. So it sounds to me like then you would say, I guess this is the end of, this is the end of March. So you were doing this then just a couple months then. Right. Yeah. So I was getting ready. I knew that fire, the department, all fire departments would not be joining the exact same day, considering that they were not ready. Number one. And I don't mean to sound kind of, you know, condescending with that, but they weren't ready. The NXDN system was still strong and still standing, and it takes some time to switch out radios on the apparatuses. The advantage mm-hmm. that EMS had was EMS units had to have digital radios in them before because when they went to Lexington hospitals just south of us, they called on their system. So all they had to do was just reprogram a zone or two in and put another system on there, and they'd work easily. And then, of course, receive new portables. Law enforcement – all county sheriff vehicles utilize the same radios that the city and whatnot use, but they have a backup radio, the NXDN system. The NXDN system they have is a failsafe that I'd like to call it at least, and some mm-hmm. units still talk on that system even though they have a newer system. They still talk on it as a talk around. It's themed as the SCSO repeater, and from there I heard, hey, new system soon. Great, we're getting it, whatnot. We'll still have these radios though. So now I know that all units still have NXDN, and I can still monitor them considering they don't use encryption on that channel either. And that all units in the county as well have access to an inner city channel on Analog Simplex, which works in their favor. And I've monitored that a few times as well. (laughs) It sounds like like you know more about the system than the guy who installed it then. (laughs) They recently – they put some pictures online. I don't know why. They went around to the towers, and I'm like, oh, look at that. Perfect. Beautiful. Looks exactly <laughs> like the one 15 minutes below me. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, so, it, I mean, it sounds like you've really sunk a lot of time and effort into doing this. And again, it's it's like you're saying, it, it happened in, in January and it's now the end of May when we're recording this. So you've 
only been doing this for about six months then, I, I, I guess. And uh, you made a lot of headway and you found a lot of stuff out really quick. So, and you weren't monitoring the system when you were doing any of the testing or, or any of the uh, the pre-launch stuff. You, you, you just didn't start. You didn't. You started till it was until after it was commercial. I guess another way of saying it. So I heard from somebody that they were doing system testing, and I go. On what frequency? They obviously couldn't use it on the current one because it was not licensed for emissions, and they have an operating system currently. What are they doing it on? They didn't know, which is okay, but they just heard it from somebody. But according to them, they were doing testing, and they had a 98% coverage of the county. I then said to myself, okay, we know this is coming. Let's get ready. But when it did come, I was not ready. I had no idea at 10 o'clock p.m. on that day everything was going to turn off. And then I have to reevaluate immediately. Gotcha. So very cool. All right. So I keep asking the same question. So is there anything else that you've discovered or you do to keep? Because again, like I said, I keep asking and you keep getting more and more of what you're doing with it. But uh, eventually we're going we're gonna to hit the bottom. I don't know how much further you have. <laughs> so. I would say for anybody who wants to monitor, I mean, you have you have systems in places that they want full encryption and that's their call, I mm-hmm. guess. And there's not going to be much to change that. I would say, number one, don't get discouraged. Monitor, know what you're dealing with. Like I said, I named the radio models, how I know that what's programmed in their radios is working and whatnot. Keep a log. Don't stay up all night. You're going to really run yourself out of a good vibe and a good groove. Take some time, conserve it. Maybe leave, uh, I leave the audacity on and put this headset mic up to it. Went to the other room and slept for a night. And I pulled a lot of traffic. I pulled um, the fire dispatch channels pull, uh, coming over that I didn't you know, get woken up on. I hate to say this, but maybe don't. If, if your system's fully encrypted and there's a few channels that you want to keep listening to, maybe don't put it online. It's kind of just a rule of thumb for me. Do you have any questions you want to ask me about this? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. It's a sort of subject with a lot of people. I'll just say that people seem to believe and and um, or fear rather that um, just what you said, right? If, if something is encrypted, if a talk group is encrypted on the system, and then you're listening to something that's not encrypted on the system, and you want to go ahead and stream that, then the ability to add encryption to it is very easy, and you can stop anybody from listening to that but again there could be also a reason why it was never encrypted to begin with chances are it wasn't an oversight it was a request just as you're saying with the fire departments on the system you listen to all the fire activities not encrypted because i'm sure a lot of people got up in an uproar and says hey our members want to be able to listen we're not going to issue radios to every single volunteer in the department so they can listen and their families can listen we want to keep our stuff unencrypted so again it, you know you have different agencies and and, and different uh, marching orders i guess and in the end i guess the county can oversee everything and say no everything's encrypted but in reality you have a lot of different things going on here too so like one of the things for example Perfect example right here is Nassau County PD, where I live, right? They went, they were unencrypted, analog, UHF, plain Jane repeater system, and then moved to a P25 encrypted system, right? End of story. Nothing can work here. Except the county sheriff is still using the EDAC system. Now, the whole PD went over to this P25 system years ago, years and years and years ago. It's nothing new at this point. Sheriff is still going around 
on edacs warrants probation anything that's non frontline service i guess you can say with pd right an officer in a vehicle type of thing they're on the old analog edac system unencrypted now could i sit there and go oh well since nassau pd isn't uh you know isn't monitorable let's put the sheriff on there yeah i could easily do that but again for the same reason I don't because I don't want them eventually going over to the P25 system and going, well, now it's time to put encryption on there. And I'm sure the, the decision's already been made that when they do go over to the P25 system, they're already going to be encrypted anyway. But mm-hmm. at least I know I'm not the one responsible for it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, I, but I just find it funny, though. I just find it funny that the precincts are all, and the sheriffs, and detectives, BSO, EAB, right? They're all, they're all a canine, right? Aviation is all encrypted, but then you got the sheriffs and the DA's office and warrants and probations and all those kinds of things are all in the clear on analog and uh, uh, EDAC. So it, uh, it is what it is. The one, uh, the one lick of things I have left of law enforcement on this system is the court channel. They don't. They talk freely. It's it's like a trucker warehouse in there. They just do whatever they want, how they talk. <laughs> it's hilarious. But it's the one thing I got left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and with that, you know. But again, like I said, your your habits will change too, and, and you'll find things to listen to, and and you'll find things to discover out there that make everything fun. So it sounds like though you've 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 mapped out this system really well. You've done your homework. You know based on doc, public documentation. You know based on previous deployments. You know what they've ordered. You're able to map that kind of information out. And without using anything too sophisticated, because you're not using DSD Plus or Unitrunker or Prime Six Com or or ProScan. You're not using those anymore, or you never were using those. You're just using off-the-shelf radios, and and you've mapped out pretty much everything you could map out to this point on a new trunk system. So, yeah, and you're not even using a scanner. You're using a Unication G4, which I sell, by the way. Um, <laughs> it, you, you're using a pager to to grab all this information, and again, yeah, using pen and paper basically, or a spreadsheet to map this all out. So for anybody who thinks that mapping out a trunk system is is complicated and over their heads and too advanced for them, I mean, you're proving the point right here that – and not to, not to have you take it the wrong way on this one. I think what you're doing is absolutely amazing. But you're proving the point that it doesn't take a super setup or a lot of crazy hardware to discover what's going on on a local trunk system. And, um, you know, I want to thank you so much for sharing how it is that, that it is that, uh, that you're able to do this with just basically pager. <laughs> so I want to thank you for having me on. You know, I, I, I spent so much time going to this. I think I have two people that actually monitor in the local area right now. People were saying, Hey, I want fire and whatnot. And I go, maybe you don't, maybe you really don't want fire. Cause maybe something might happen. And recently dispatchers have been using encryption on fire and, I'm gonna have to update the database accordingly, but don't get discouraged. Like you were saying, it, it's it might be kind of an end to monitoring voice, but seeing it and really knowing how they utilize the system and the cool things about it that that's what matters to me. Yep. And again, there's always something else to do. And I like to say, you know, give the analogy that just because your favorite magazine is out of print, does that mean there's nothing left to read? Or just because your favorite TV show or your favorite channel, right, is, is no longer on the air. Does that mean there's nothing left to watch on TV? 
Yeah. So there's there's other things out there. Yeah, the, the you can't listen to your PD because they encrypted, but there'll be other things out to listen to, right? You've got DC to daylight basically on, on our spectrum, and there's got to be something else out there that that uh, yeah, it may not be your local PD, and I get it, but there's still plenty to listen to, and um, it's it's still a fun hobby regardless. So. Listen, Jackson, I want to thank you so much for explaining everything here. And again, I, and how you do it with just basically off-the-shelf hardware without using a computer except for logging everything on a spreadsheet and, and proving that it doesn't take an impressive setup that uh, to go through this and, and decode a system. That, uh, and you did it over a short period of time. I mean, within six months, you've got the whole, the whole network pretty much mapped out. And now you'll take it on to the next journey. When you start mapping out the other zone on the system as it gets uh, built out and deployed as well. So um, it's not over for you yet. Absolutely right. Yep. I'm probably going to go by Fastlane now. <laughs> yeah. No, as soon as we get off the, uh, the call, right? So listen, I, I want to um, make sure that people can get in touch with you and can keep tabs as to what it is that uh, you're working on. So what we'll do is in the session notes for this podcast, we'll put a link to the system that you're building out. We'll put a link to the wiki on radio reference so people can see how it is you're deploying the wiki but you also mentioned very early in in our conversation that you had a website do you want to share what the website is sure it's remington radio dot dot com haven't got a custom one yet but it's it's my own little personal website it's home of scan north central kentucky the systems that i have fully mapped out on my own by myself uh university of kentucky is one of them it came with, I think, two talk groups when I came up here, and I have the entire system mapped out accordingly. Now, uh, same thing with Toyota Motor Manufacturing here in Georgetown. Same with that. So I put my spreadsheets and a, a form, and it will show you exactly what you want to put in your scanner or your pager, and then go on from there and listen. And maybe a little bit in a later date, I'll probably start adding some regional systems, maybe the Louisville system, et cetera, et cetera, and... Uh, Maybe some businesses, because those are some really interesting things to listen to as well. Security, even private ambulances use those, and it's really, really cool. Yep, definitely. Excellent. So we'll put a link to that in the session notes as well. So again, thank you so much for taking the time today to uh, go through this. And again, like I said, it's it's amazing you're doing all this with just off-the-shelf radios, nothing too fancy, no no crazy computer setup. And, uh, again, you got more systems mapped out than just this one. So it is a fun part of the hobby. And again, one of the things I like doing too is, you know, we take a couple of trips down Atlantic city or for you up to Atlantic city and even going into the hotels and monitoring what they have on their repeater system and, and just finding out, oh, they've got extra talk groups here that aren't mapped out and everything else. Just because you think that something is mapped out because you see a listing on a website doesn't mean that that's all there is on that system. There could always be more that if you just put your, your pager from scan to search uh, or your scanner from scan to search, then um, you may find something else to uh, to monitor. So again, thanks for uh, for being a guest today. And I hope that uh, the conversation was as enjoyable for you as it was for me. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, Phil. Jackson, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast this week and sharing how you map out the trunk radio systems that are in your area. It is awesome to see you thinking outside the box and learning about the trunk systems that are in your area. Now, again, Jackson did give his website address 
in the interview, and I want to make sure that you guys caught it. So again, it's going to be in the session notes again at scannerschool.com slash session 135. But I'm going to give it to you here again. It's remingtonradio.weebly.com. Now, are you doing something exciting with your scanner or something in the hobby and you want to share it with your fellow Scanner School classmates? Then please visit us at scannerschool.com slash guest and fill out the calendar. Just enter in a date and a time that works well for you, and we'll have you on the podcast. It'd be great to have you here and share your story, just as Jackson did this week. So if you have any feedback for this week's podcast, you can go to scannerschool.com slash session 135 and leave your comments in the show notes. And remember, join us every Tuesday or Wednesday, depending where you live, on our Zello net, scannerschool.com slash Zello for all the information, the links, the times, and everything else, and even to get email reminders for our weekly nets. Now, again, Scanner School's copyright 2020, Monitor Long Island Inc. I'm Phil Lichtenberger, and this is Scanner School. We teach you everything to know about the scanner radio hobby. 73, everyone.